Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, handbrakes on, seatbelts off, sit back and relax if you can because you're listening to episode two of Spin the Rally Pod. Yes, we've settled on a name that Colin Clark doesn't have to write down to remember and you can now get in touch at the Rally Pod. I'm Lisa O'Sullivan, a rally fan. My job is to herd the cats and keep this podcast to a manageable download size. I'm in England, logging in from Scotland. We've got the rally brain and historical expertise of former team boss George Donaldson. Hi, George. Good evening, Lisa. I'm not quite sure I feel that historical. That's why we've got you here. All that knowledge, soaking up the ambience and the pre-WRC action in Mexico. We've got our dirt fish rally experts, David Evans and the aforementioned Colin Clark. Hi, guys. And I'm going to start with the big question. How's the weather in wonderful Guanajuato? It's shocking, Lise. It's, you know, for me, this is some of the worst weather of the season. <laughs> I, I would say it's probably 30 degrees and sunny. And just take me back to Sweden, uh, back to the mountains, back to the snow. And Colin's looking appalled. I am absolutely appalled, Lise. I absolutely love this weather. Uh, my sandals have been broken out oh. for the first time this year. Shorts are on. Got a lovely dirt fish top on as well. Uh, David's struggling in his jeans and his Marks and Spencer sweater. Just, it's a strange thing. <laughs> Just let me ask this question. What on earth are you doing back in those sandals? I, I thought they died at the end of last season. The sandals and the toes, frankly, are far too close to me right now. Yeah, but Tre- Trevor, the marketing director, has approved the sandals. So, David, uh, uh. No, let's, George, let's well, take maybe, your opinion. Maybe the sandals should go into self-isolation. <laughs> I, I, I would like to get, firstly, Lise, what's your take on men in sandals? And secondly, George, what do you think? Uh, I'm thinking I have, no. I have, sorry. Oh, you're thinking no, Lisa. Good. Good. Lisa, and I can tell you that uh, I've, I've shared uh, I've shared hotel rooms and, and uh, rented <laughs> houses with Colin. And I can tell you quite honestly, those shoes have quite often been evicted to the, uh, I say sandals, shoes, sandals, jangles, whatever he might be wearing, have been evicted to the... Uh, to the verandas and outside the doors in the hope that they would disappear overnight, be carried off by some, some mutant creature that's sensed them from the other side of the world and but, come to take them away because it must be alive and delicious. But strangely, those mutant creatures have come and taken one look at them and just left them there, haven't they? But I think we will, we, will, we will tweet a picture of said sandals. In fact, I'll take the picture right now. I, I, well, feel I, think that, they, I think that's noxious. They Sorry, do have noxious the fantastic job of probably keeping people at least a metre away for Colin <laughs> Clark. So we have to get on to the far more serious topic of the fact that uh, we are in, in a situation now where people are, are giving each other plenty of room because of the spread of the coronavirus, COVID-19. And how is that affecting things out in Mexico? Uh, well, David, I think maybe you're, you're best placed to answer that one because... You know, you've been talking to some of our major players this morning about this exact subject, and and you were a lot of us are sitting in the service park, 
monitoring what's going on in other parts of the world. But you, you've got the news. You spoke to Ogier earlier, and Ogier has been quite outspoken today about his thoughts on it. He has. You know, he he feels that we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be running the event. He feels conflicted and quite compromised. And you know, I, he's not afraid of the virus. He's but he is afraid of the. I I I think you know of the of the fact that we could be stranded here you know we don't we don't know exactly we saw the, the news from from donald trump yesterday that he's not allowing um european flights into america you know all the the, the travel restrictions are changing by the almost by the minute and by the hour here and that's what sebastian was saying this morning you know he has a family back home in germany uh, and he wants to know that he can get home to them that's his primary concern um and we can all understand that, completely understand that. My, the only thing that I, the, the sort of caveat to that is that I spoke to Patrick Subberville earlier, and, and who is Patrick? Is what? Is, he's the rally director here in in Mexico, and you do feel in some ways that you know this is a European, perhaps a European East, Far Eastern disease that we're sort of bringing out here. Now, we don't know the exact number of, of, of cases here. We don't know how much testing they've done. But Patrick said they've got 12 cases in Mexico. Uh, so, you know, it's not a massive issue here. Um, and, and we're coming over here and, and kind of complaining, or not complaining, but we're stressing and worrying about something that's not really a huge deal in this part of the world. Well, it's not a huge deal yet, David, but I think in some ways what you said there is slightly contradictory because you made it very clear that Ogier is not concerned from a safety point of view. Ogier is concerned from a lockdown point of view. Um, but really, there's no, there's no doubt, is there? Okay, by the time you guys are back home and listening to this podcast, we'll probably be well in to Rally Mexico. But there's no real doubt that Rally Mexico is going to run. Uh, you know, even if Ogier did you know, pack up his bags, jump in the helicopter and fly home tonight. Well, the rally, you think, almost certainly will still run? I think it has to because, you know, I, I don't really see what how the teams get... I mean, this is much more really a question for George, you know, because we've talked, we spoke to so many of the logistics people today and they're kind of all looking to Sunday. You know, that's the day that everybody wants to know that they can... Or Sunday, Monday, they can get the logistics away probably not to Argentina now. We're pretty sure that Argentina is going to be cancelled. But they can get the logistics away and they can get all of their people on planes and get them home. Increasingly, it looks more and more difficult to get them home through America. So suddenly, you know, you're looking at Mexico, perhaps more in South America. Those, It's not an easy thing um, to, to turn all of these logistics around. Um, and, and the teams have got different people working on these situations and scenarios as they unfold, but primarily the teams now are very much into rally focus. You know, they've been through shakedown this morning and it's business as usual as much as when the crews are out on the stages. But in the service park, all everybody's talking about is coronavirus and should we be here and, you know, will this event go ahead? The event started from a technical perspective. The event is up and running now. Shakedown's going um, and, you know, the, the, the ceremonial start is just a couple of hours away. It's, yeah, so... As, as far as we can see, it's up and it's running and it's happening. But, I mean, George, just what's your feeling? You know, what if you were sporting director at Subaru in the service park right now, what would you be up to? Uh, well, I, I tend to be a little bit more fatalistic about these things. Basically, it's just a bad flu, isn't it? I mean, I've read a few reports of people that have got it and they just say it's a bad flu. Obviously, it's, it's, it's quite virulent and if, if you're... 
if you're um, ill with something else or, or, or elderly no, is an issue. Not not not, maybe, not maybe so much George. More than it affects you guys. Not George from a sort of medical perspective. <laughs> I did mean more from a oh right sorry sp- sporting. Yeah. We're not referring <laughs> to Doctor George here. From the sporting point of view. Yeah. <laughs> from the from the sporting point of view, uh, I, I would I would be in the same mode as everyone else. Rally mode. Let's get on with it. Uh, honestly speaking, we're going to pack everything up. I would have employed a company called White Knight, my good friend Tony Vinson, and he'll sort everything out for me. Logistically, my equipment will get to the next event without any doubt, and it will be seamless. We've I think seen we this before in the past, though. We, we, most recently, we saw this happen when an Icelandic volcano got a little bit uh, agitated and cancelled the flights over Europe. Now, the rally was actually in Europe at that point, and there were a lot of people in the WRC who spent a lot of time on coaches driving back across Europe to get back from an event because of that, um, you know, that unfortunate explosion in Iceland. It's a very different question, though, when you're on a totally different continent. Well, well it is, Lise. Uh, you know, and, and that's the concern. As we've made clear, the concern around the service park isn't so much for people's safety. You know, we, we know that there are very, very few cases here in Mexico. The concern is this ongoing, uh, well, the ongoing travel restrictions that are being imposed. But I think, we, we you know, that, that's a very kind of, uh, you know, it's a very pertinent question for, for Mexico, if you like. But I think we have to look beyond Mexico because, you know, we're talking now, our, our governments are talking now about banning events for two months. You know, we're hearing that events in April, even into early May, are being cancelled. You know, if we look at this, and um, you know, realistically, George, we could be looking at a, a three or four, maybe five-month complete shutdown on all sporting events around the world. What would that mean for rallying, George? Never mind just the the, the, the World Rally Championship, but the British Championship, you know, all the national championships around the world. <clears throat> what does it mean for them? Uh, you can they survive well, that? I mean, Colin, it, 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 it's actually awful for all the events, for all the teams, for all the people that make their living out of the sport, for the fans not to be able to follow it. People, you know, organise holidays around it. It is absolutely terrible. Um, if it'll be five months, well, I mean, we just have to wait and see what's going to happen. Ultimately, uh, governments and travel restrictions are not going to keep people from home. Ultimately, people are going to get home. It might take, you know, if you, if you end up, the, the, worst, the worst case scenario for anybody traveling right now is that you end up somewhere where you, you know, you let's say you go back through the States. Let's say, you know, Seb Ogier's heading home and he goes back through the States and he's got to change his flight, uh, can't go direct to Germany now. So he's got to change his flight to go via UK and he has to spend a night in a hotel in New York. And it ends up that somebody somebody there's got uh, COVID nineteen virus, and he gets quarantined there for two weeks. You know that's the sort of awful thing that's going to happen. Other than that, um, ultimately, yeah, it's going to hurt some teams financially. It's, you know some of these smaller, the commercial teams, the guys running, you know, WRC two cars, uh, the the R fives. You know those are small commercial operations. Uh, you know they've all invested heavily in projects, and 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 they get they get cut. They, you know they can't stand the money loss. It, it it can be very catastrophic. That's that's one of the the points in service this morning, George. Is you know you're talking to some of these teams, some of the smaller teams, uh, and you know they've got mercenaries in. They they hire these guys for weeks at a time, uh, and some of these boys, you know, mercenaries. Is that the right word? I think so, isn't it? It's- 
I'm just wondering what kind of job they're going to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the part of the world that we're in, Cole. I, I watched that <laughs> thing that you... I was watching that programme that you were telling me to watch on the film. Narcos. Narcos, good Lord. That's <laughs> Patron, tranquilo, tranquilo, patron, tranquilo. So, okay, contractors. Sorry, at least we can get rid of that last bit, can't we? We can get rid of Right, so we're going with contractors. That's fine. So some of these contractors were in the service park earlier this morning. And, you know, they have a very uncertain future because, you know, the, they they earn their money on a week-to-week basis from, from working on these events. And suddenly, if you talk in their call for four or five months, these boys are not going to pay their mortgage for four or five months. And it applies to so many people, yeah. and it, not just around the service park. And it may seem like... A, you know, a very parochial kind of point of view to take, but there are so many people who work on that basis. You know, they get paid from the events that they do, from media people exactly. to yeah. suppliers to, you know, teams teams themselves. And, and you know, it, it isn't just... It's, it's the social impact of all of this that I think is a little bit frightening. You know, there will be disruption. There'll be massive disruption. People will uh, really struggle through the next three or four or five months, whatever it is. I think it'll be a different-looking sport, David, when we come back. No, I think it will. I think it will, because I think we'll have lost people. I think we'll have lost people. I think people won't, as in, not not, not dead. <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean, you know, people who will have Companies to go and find... Companies are going to go it. bankrupt. Well, people will go bankrupt. People will not no longer be in this sport. People will have to go and find different jobs. It will yeah. look... The sport will look different when we return, maybe from an internal point of view, maybe not from an external point no. of view, but from an internal point of view, it'll look different. I see your point now, but, you know, absolutely from an external point of view, we'll pick up where we left off. Uh, and you know it, but it is it is going to be a very very tough time for a lot of people. And you've said it exactly right there. You know it's beyond the mechanics and the contractors. Um, we will, we, you know, there's photographers, there's people like everything that you've said there is 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 exactly right. The catering companies, but it's not just rallying. You know, it's across motorsport, and it's not just in WRC. You know, we've seen West Corks cancelled, and there are rallies all around the world that are being cancelled right now, and. David, David, I'm I'm personally very worried about all those footballers. They only earn maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week, and and they're not going to play anymore. What are they going to do? How well, are they going to We're going to move on. We are going to move on from from that point. And if you stay, keep yourself checking up on the Dirtfish website. We'll keep you up to date with all the news as we get it on what is actually happening with upcoming events. So you can plan the rest of your rally year. But we are here to talk about Rally Mexico, the wonderful Rally Mexico, Guanajuato. I mean, it's such an iconic place to start an event. Those tunnels, the whole spectacle of Mexico. Colin, how's it looking? How are the stages looking? And well, we talked a lot about the weather last time. What's the weather going to be like? Yeah, at least, listen, you're one of what... Not great, the weather, Lise. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, do you know what? I, I, you know? I, I need to point out at this point to anyone who's never seen Beckham, as we like to call David, he's very blonde, he's very pale-skinned, uh, he doesn't agree with the sun. No, that's a very good point. Thank you, very well made. And, and it's 31 degrees and he wears Marks and Spencer's woolen jumpers. He's a strange <laughs> creature, our David Evans. But Lise, listen... Dog. He is slightly. Uh, you know, you're quite right. Guanajuato, Rally Mexico, it's such a colourful event, probably one of the most colourful events on the calendar. But everyone looks forward to coming here because we've had, obviously, Monte Carlo, cold event. We've had Sweden, normally a cold event. And then we come here and we get our first dose of sunshine and warmth and colour and real excitement. Uh, but here's the thing. You were laughing and joking about the weather. It may yet play quite a big part in proceedings this weekend. 
there's a bit of a change over the last day or two in the forecast. You know, initially, it was looking like blue skies, 31, 32 degrees, maybe a touch warmer out in the countryside and up in the hills. They're now forecasting the potential right through the weekend for thunderstorms. Now, you know, the th thunderstorms here will be very localised. But, George, you've seen a lot of Rally Mexico in the past. If we get localised thunderstorms, George, so we're not talking torrential rain, uh, we're talking localised thunderstorms, what effect is that going to have, George? Well, it's not going to have the effect that, that you might think. Obviously, as you say, localised, if it's on a you know, a massive 40-kilometre stage or 30-kilometre stage, it's probably only going to be wet for half of it, you know, unlikely to be across the whole stage. So uh, certainly on the first day, uh, uh, it would, it would, it's bound to help uh, Elfin Evans. Uh, it's bound to help Thierry Neuville and, and uh, Sebastian and Sebastian uh, Auger. Does it get muddy? Does it get muddy out here? I was going to say though, just so long as the weather isn't mm. one of, the, as you say, Colin. If if it's very localized, it could be raining at the beginning of the stage and not the end. Someone could go through in dry conditions, and someone else gets all the rain. That's it. But it's, and it's almost impossible to make any form of reliable forecasting for thunderstorms. I sometimes they happen. Sometimes they don't. I spoke to to Elvin. Uh, about half an hour ago and said exactly this uh, about the weather and he said you know in all honesty it will have to rain all night long um, to have any kind of serious impact you know these we see these huge downpours come and within you know there's so much temperature in the ground and there's so much wind at high altitude that that it can dry in no time i'm going to make a remarkable no listen i'm going to make a remarkably good point for me because quite often I don't, I, I miss these things. But the issue is not when it rains here so much, because it dries remarkably quickly. I've but but yet, yeah, and I said that's not <laughs> the issue. I said that's not the issue. The issue is the damage that can be done to the roads. You get washaways. So it is quite possible that where in the recce there is nothing to be noted, that after a 20 minute, half hour downpour, you know, it, it drags dirt and rubble off the hills and it can wash away. So potentially, we, we might not be talking about a surface change, but it's quite possible that following a thunderstorm in places, in very, very local places, the inside, the gutters may be washed away. There may be bigger rocks exposed. There could even be gullies that appear across the road. David, that is a real possibility. Don't look at me that way. It is possible. <laughs> I, if you say so. I, I still think it'll dry quickly. Oh, come on, David. That's a dry, fair point. It will That's dry, a fair point, but... By the same token, the drivers are going to deal with it. The rally drivers, they're fabulous. Yeah, they will. They will completely. And, uh, you know, as Elvin said, it would have to rain. But equally, we have seen it and we've heard it rain all night here. You know, we've we've all been woken up with, with enormous thunderclaps in the night, haven't we, Cole? <laughs> That's the dodgy chilies that you keep eating, David. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think you're... That there's just nothing... sounded so Morecambe and Wise. Well, and there's nothing worse than somebody <laughs> laughing at their own joke, is the least? Really? <laughs> Well, it's just the me. fact that you both you were both waking each other up with thunder uh, with thunderclaps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving on, <clears throat> so but all good. What I have to say, you know, one of the the fabulous and it's quite tricky this because we don't the podcast could be out and it could be old news by the time it comes out. But shakedown today, if we look at the times that that was set, El Elvin obviously was quickest on. I think it was his, his fourth run. Um, he was first into the stage. So that was an opportunity for Elvin to put a benchmark down and to show that he can deal with the with the with the cleaning and what have you. So his time of three fifty point seven was quicker than Neville, 
by three seconds, quicker than Augier, quicker than Tanak by a lot. And you have to go all the way down to uh, to Sunanen, who was, what, six, I think, six cars later on the road than him. So immediately, Elvin's had that opportunity to, to show. And, and for me, you know, he's done just that. He may get no more glory this weekend. It could be the end, you know, if he's sacrificed tomorrow on, on first on the road all through Friday. Uh, and, you know, where it is very sandy, he will struggle. Um, but for me, that's so encouraging, isn't it, that it, he's had this opportunity and he's taken it and he's shown the world that he can be quickest. And it's not, it's not, sorry, don't. <laughs> sorry, Collie, you were, you were about to start. I just wanted to add, it's a good-sized stage. You know, it's 5.5K, isn't it? It's it's not, you know, a really short one, and it's quite representative. Yeah, very representative, but I, I don't really know that it tells us that much about what can be done this weekend. Um, but at least, you know, going back to going back to Guanajuato on the start of the rally, um, your rally Mexico, it's, it's, it's a strange event, really, because, you know, there, there isn't a massive rally culture in Mexico, their national championship isn't particularly strong. There's not a huge rally community, but it is always one of the very best rallies of the year. You know, we've started here before with, I think, 20 cars, 23 cars. Uh, there's a decent entry this year. I think it's up towards 40 cars. But no one ever talks in Mexico about how few cars there are because there is always, always masses of drama on this event. It always gives us something to talk about. You know, you, you think back to the corona because <laughs> we're talking about Corona, uh, the Corona bottle with Thierry Neuville. You think back to like, <laughs> Tanak. Uh, you think back to Sebastian Loeb back in the day coming into service and going down the mountain on three wheels. Uh, you know the gate issue. Remember there was there was the gate that was barred for Sebastian Ogier a few years ago. There is always drama here in Mexico, and you forget really by the time the first car gets into the first stage of the rally just how few cars there are because it is such a colourful, entertaining a nearly always dramatic event. George, what makes it? Why do you think that is the case with Mexico? Is there, is there something particular about the stages okay. here? Yes, so the engines have got a little bit less power than normal. So there's a, in, in many ways, the margins for the drivers are, mar, are more marginal. And they always, no matter what they say, they always try and make up for the lack of power by pushing a little bit harder. The nature of the roads, um, a lot of these roads have been manufactured for the rally where, where they're tight and twisty and narrow and, and narrow the the roads have been improved but they've ended up with very high sides in them so so you're basically driving in a little toboggan run almost of a of a track not that it, it it keeps you in it but but there's lots of edges of the road to 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 bounce you out there's rocks come off and they're in the road for the next car that's as big a hazard as potentially you know the the, the wash away concept colin mm. And, and, and so there's always catch-outs for drivers. It's a tricky rally. It's hot. The drivers are stressed it, with the heat. It, it is rough. It is quite rough. It's smoother than it's, it's getting smoother as an event. Classic character of an event. Lovely fast stages. Even the slow bits have character and they're nice to drive through. Lots of crests and switchbacks. And, you know, it really commands a great deal of discipline in driving. Mm. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna reward uh, the the man the man like Sebastian Ogier, but goodness gracious, does young Elfin not seem to be coming a little bit of a Mister Ogier clone himself? Well, wonderful. Well, if if he is an Ogier clone, then he's got a chance this weekend because uh, again, if you're reading on Dirtfish the articles that David has been writing recently, David, you wrote a great article about about you know how Ogier tamed. Rally Mexico from being first on the road. No, that was my colleague Jack Cousins, and it was a superb article. 
Apologies to Jack. Yeah, it really was. But um, uh, you know, it can be done and it can be tamed. But George, I, I think you're right. I think what you you talked about there very eloquently uh, were the the hazards and the challenges of Rally Mexico. And uh, you know, every rally is a challenge. Every rally has its particular you know challenges that need to be addressed and need to be overcome if you want to win. I think the difference with Mexico is that it offers quite a number of different challenges and not every driver has the the armory that's required to, to, to deal with those those challenges and and they can be I think the problem is that they're you know they are situations where if you don't deal with them to use one of your words George it can very quickly be catastrophic you know it's, it's not just you know it's not just punctures it's not just you know the odd little ding or a wheel just out of line it's catastrophic it's, it's rally ending very very quickly indeed absolutely colin it really is like that and it and it's the disciplined mind that that will win this rally that's why we've seen sebastian Ogier do such an incredible job here in the past and sebastian Loeb uh, prior to that you know both very very disciplined and drivers who will we will just drive methodically, understand what they're doing, set the pace and go with it. But here's another question then for, for, for David first off. Um, what we know about this event in terms of previous winners, well, what do we know? We know that no one has won this event driving a Toyota. No one has won this event driving a Hyundai. It has always been a Ford or a Citroen. Does that tell us something? about the cars or does it tell us something about the event and does it tell us anything about what we might expect this weekend or is David is it just a very strange anomaly can we take anything from it or is it just a strange anomaly well I think it's a slightly strange anomaly because you know you look at Volkswagen won it for years and they're not here now <laughs> so, so did Citroen <laughs> they're not here either exactly uh, you know in fairness to Ford they do an awful lot of work in their climatic chamber and, and the engine is is there's a huge amount of, of work from Ford Performance, I think, in Michigan, isn't it? Um, so, but you know, that's not to say that the other teams aren't doing exactly the same work. Um, but no, that and you know, M Sport has a huge base of knowledge. They're probably that they are the only team that's been here year in year out, um, and since 2004, you know, they've accumulated a huge amount of data uh, as to what you know particular weather formats will do to, to to the car and and that kind of thing so yeah you know they use all of that knowledge um i suspect would it be a struggle do you think to see an m sport winner here this weekend well i think it'd be a big struggle i, I you know I, I they have a chance clearly because they've got decent road positions both lappy and sooner and we, we can't much as we'd like to see Greensmith doing well, a result for Greensmith is to get to the finish, to be totally honest with you. And if he gets to the finish, he'll be in the top six or seven. And that, you know, for, for me, that has to be Gus's objective. You know, totally just come here, take the experience uh, and don't try and be a hero. Um, because, you know, we've seen time after time. Um, and I, I actually flew down last night with Marco Martin, not in Marco's private plane. Clearly, he doesn't have a private plane. We happen to be on the same flight out of Dallas. Um, and, and I was asking uh marco you know about when he won in 2004 uh and he said you know it's just it's the sort of event that if you just stay there and just stay calm and just stay in the middle of the road the result can come to you uh it, and we've seen it so many times and george you, you were involved with subaru on this event a number of times you know what, what was your instructions to your drivers ahead of this event 
Uh, I was actually just on the edge of the WRC team by the time we came uh, we, we, we came to, to Mexico for the first time. So I was actually working directly with Subaru already by then. So I was a, I was a sort of spectator from the, uh, from the, the WRC2 or, or PWRC as it was back then. Um, basically, um, you, you do, I mean, it was quite obvious from the moment we came to Mexico and went out and looked at some of the stages, we, we knew how tough it was going to be. And, and I mean, I looked after all the, the Subaru uh, customer teams at that point, And my advice to them was, guys, this is a great opportunity. We've got a lovely strong car with a couple of a couple of little weak points. Let's let's make sure you don't clip any corners and, and damage the steering. The steering was a little bit weak on the cars. Everything else was bulletproof. You just had to make sure if you were going to hit something, you went straight over it. Car would survive that, um, and uh, we could have we could have uh, we could have won everything effectively. Just you know, the, the the guy that was going to win it was going to be the guy that just kept his nose clean and didn't destroy the car. You know, and, and to I suppose reiterate that point, we've seen uh, well, we've seen our five cars getting really good results here in the past. Benito Guerra was sixth last year which is quite an astonishing achievement, really. It's, yeah, it, it is a particular rally that does, does punish very hard and that does require a really particular approach. So, uh, I, I don't I've, know. Go I've, on, I've got a big question for you to actually tell us about, and I want George's thoughts on this. Um, Hyundai have got their aerodynamic bag of tricks out for us in Mexico. What do they look like? What have they done? Yeah, David, you, you've had a good look around that car. Can you remember and uh, you know, in, in exact detail? Can you describe the new aerodynamic updates? I can. <laughs> On the radio, not I using can, your hands. But, but I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it to David because he's, he's, he's distracted. He never stops working, this boy. Uh, David, go on, tell us about these aerodynamic updates then. They've got some new plastic bits on the front and a bit more plastic at the back. <laughs> And uh, you're a git, Colin. You had a much better look around it than I. Basically, they, they've added these winglets on the top of the front uh, fenders, uh, if we call them. No, no, wheel arches. We work for an American company. They're fenders. No, they're not in America. Or oh, oh, Trevor, the marketing director, who's sitting in the background. Not, he's nodding his head. I thought a fender was a, was a bumper, No. Colin, don't start another argument. It's a wheel arch. No, George, I give it. Yeah, you're right, George. I'm not going to start an argument. It is apparently in America, the fenders. So it's a wheel arch. So, so we've got the bit, the bit on top there that is going to add. That's going to give more, more, more downforce at the front, uh, and then at the rear we've got an extra bit of uh, on the on the end plate, the, the the end winglet at the end at the rear. We've got some more uh, vertical. So it's going to cap that will capture more. That's more, but perhaps for sort of lateral downforce, uh, lateral. Downforce, yeah, as you're sideways, it's gathering Safe the air. Yeah. Is yeah. that right, George? You, yeah. George would be a good one because, yeah. George, you were the first with Subaru to add so those basically, fins. Yeah, basically, we're, we're, we're at very high altitude here, so the, the, the value of aero is, is considerably less. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, you know, in the, in the, in the tens and 15 and 20 percents, maybe even 25 percent less effective than normal. Simply because um, there's not the volume of air, isn't it, George? There's not the volume of in nine thousand feet. You are, you know, you're, you've lost, uh, you've lost one at least. Was it? Would be down to about must be down to about um, about nine hundred, nine hundred and twenty, nine hundred and ten millibars. So yeah, that's, we've, we've that's lost what I was calculating here. Ten percent of our air pressure yeah. we've lost. So the, the effectiveness of it here is much less. Psychologically, it's massive for, for the driver. George, 
So, so, so here's that. This is something I've never heard talked about before. You know, every time we come to Mexico, we hear about the fact that the engines are compromised and the engine power is compromised. No one has talked, as far as I'm aware, of the fact that downforce is compromised by air pressure. Is well, that what you're well, telling absolutely. us? Absolutely. That just tells you how, 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 how little effect it really has in some ways on a rally car. The biggest effect that the aero will have on the car is the cooling package in the engine and how, how, how you can reduce weight and increase its effectiveness. A lot of the aero on the car at the front is, is all to do with getting air through the, the engine intercooler and through the water radiator and through the oil coolers and the gearbox oil cooler yeah. and the diff oil cooler. A lot of it's to do with that. But, but the aero, it makes a huge difference. I always remember the story of... Uh, um, Stig Blomqvist in Finland, having been there with the Sierra Cosworth, the two-wheel drive Sierra Cosworth, and they'd finished all their testing, and he uh, they were on a nice one of the nice big stages with lots of jumps, and he said to the mechanics, just take that, take the the cocktail tray off the back of this car, and let's try a run without it, and so the guys took it off, and away he went down the stage, and <laughs> he got he got three kilometres and turned around and came back ashen faced having nearly somersaulted the car over the first jump. <laughs> so, yeah, whilst that, that, uh, those big spoilers, I think they were, I, I seem to recall a figure of, of around about, um, that was on the Group A car, so that had the extra lip on it. Somebody said to me that was worth 100 kilograms of downforce at, I think it was something like 150 kph. Um, that's quite significant amount of weight, and, and well, downforce, effectively. Anyway, Stig gave himself one massive fright, so... Yeah, don't let let's not belittle the the effect of the aero. It, it, it yes, it does have a massive effect, Le but it will be reduced. Least just but. a quick point of order here. I am trying to type. I'm trying to do a story, and Colin's looking at me and shouting at me. Should I stop typing? No, keep going. Yeah, um, so everybody knows like, that. Sounds like a newsroom. Yeah, you're the it does sound like a newsroom. journalist but in rallying. So keep going. Oh, I, I like so, the so. sound effects. I, I, I've got just a question to add on to um, because the time is ticking on. I know that you want to talk about Ken Block, Colin Clark. Yeah. I have noticed. Um, I, I love Ken. I think he's highly entertaining. He, he really does add something to the rally. But there's some really negative oh. press going around about him. What, what's the problem? What is their problem? I have got absolutely no idea, Lisa. Ken Block is a special character. And do you know what? Ken Block has never, ever proclaimed that he is the best driver in the world. He knows exactly what he is. But in terms of rally cars, in terms of popularity, in terms of doing things that interest and excite and get people to look at our sport, no one, no one in the past 10 years has done more than Ken Block. He's introduced our sport to a new audience in certain areas that no one else has managed to do. And, you know, it's snide. I, I hate hearing these ridiculous comments about Block. It, it is pathetic. It, it is jealousy, David. You're absolutely right. Block is, you know, he's, he's won rallies in America. He came very close to winning the American Championship. He's won in New Zealand. And he's a very, very competent driver. He is not and never will be and will never claim to be on the same level as our top WRC drivers, but he is very special. Let me tell you, I was at the test on Monday and Block was there in George. It was a throwback to your days, George, that wonderful, uh, that wonderful Cosworth Escort. And it the did Escort look stunning. Cosworth. It sounded stunning. And you know what? You could not move around Block's service area. You know, the people that have walked miles, that have come in miles, just to see Ken Block. And that will be the same tonight in Guanajuato. It will be the same on the stages during the course of the weekend. 
Kim Block is an entertainer and he's, he's someone that our sports should embrace because he brings a different perspective and he brings a different audience and he brings potential, you know, in terms of new audience, which we've been struggling to do as a sport for many, many years, for generations. We have struggled Colin, to work you out. Know, Colin, sorry to interrupt, Colin, but you know, Ken Block was a rally fan as a 10-year-old mm. in America when it was unbelievably difficult to follow rally in America. You know, it was pretty well before the, 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 the dawn of, of the internet. So, you know, the guy would be having to get, you know, week, weeks old motoring newses or autosports to get his news. He was an, he's an absolute fan through and through. He's just a rally man, he, die hard. He is. And, Lovely bloke. And, and filled with respect fish. and love for our sport. For our sport, the man's just an absolute. He's a rally god. There you are. Hey, and you and you kind of look to someone like, you know, he was great friends with Colin McRae, and and the stories that that Ken has of of the time that they shared together. You know, you know, I would I would take Colin McRae's opinion over whether somebody is somebody to associate yourself with in, in our sport. And and Colin was dead right. You know, Ken is just a totally down to earth just proper rally fan and having sat with him on a couple of occasions he's not a bad driver trust me yeah, he's a great driver Lee. so yeah we, we we're going to enjoy having ken around this weekend and we'll see him a few more times this year he's, he's taking his what do they call it hoonigan tour or jimkana tour the cozy tour. tour the cozy world tour is that what they call it Okay, they're, they're taking it around the world and, and it'll be a delight to watch him, Lee. So, yeah, I, for one, certainly am, am really, really pleased to see him back here. He, he is a big, smiling, you know, very imposing character that brings an awful lot of something different, something different to the WRC. Which is, is what Dirtfish is now doing. That was a nice link there, wasn't it? Did you see how you set me up and then I hit the ball out the park? Uh, Dirtfish bringing you all your rally news, dirtfish.com. Um, Colin, some people don't know about the extent of what Dirtfish is doing and what is Dirtfish all about. They think it's just a rally school in the States. I think you can fill us in a little bit more on what Dirtfish's ambitions are in the world of rallying. Well, yes, I could, but what I've done, I keep forgetting David See, and I are I gave you a really good link there, Colin, didn't you did, I? You did, it's fantastic, because <laughs> as I've already mentioned, I've not mentioned quite where we are, we're, we're, David and I are together, but we're in Trevor, the marketing director's room, and it's a room that befits a marketing director, I'd have to say, it's very comfortable and very large, and he's here, so what we'll do is we'll have a chat with Trevor, Trevor, the marketing director, as I like to call him, Lisa just saying there, Trev, that, you know, what we talked about with Ken Block, is really perhaps what we're trying to do with Dirtfish these days. And you know, a lot of people are asking, Trev, what's Dirtfish all about? It's a rally school in America, isn't it? Well, that was how it started. But just take us through your vision for Dirtfish and, and you know what it is we are trying to do. Yeah, so basically we saw an opportunity and a gap in, in the rally market in the media space. So we, we took that and uh, we made dirtfish into a new type of business that's focused on rally media rally content rally news and our hope is to not only bring wrc to america but also america to wrc more trev that's really exciting because you know it's such such a great sport we know it's a great sport but for some reason you know the american motorsport public haven't yet cottoned on to just how exciting rallying is and in some ways as you say, that's what we hope to do, to show them just how wonderfully exciting a sport it is. Absolutely, and that's that's our goal, is to bring the WRC exposure to America, or the American exposure to WRC. 
And to do that, you've taken on board some of the very best people in WRC. And Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David said and Colin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've uh, we really looked at the entire market. We looked at where everything was, where things were lacking, and then we, we hired the people to fill that, really. We hired David and Colin, and we've hired a, a new videographer also who who will help do that. It's exciting times, Trev, really exciting times ahead because the project keeps evolving and you, you there are opportunities that arise that, you know, what I like about the first two, three months with Dirtfish is you're not afraid to actually go and have a look at doing things. And, and, you know, when you see an opportunity presented by the fans that the fans are asking about, you go and have a go and see if you can deliver it for them. Yeah, absolutely. And those opportunities have presented themselves multiple times since Monte Carlo. And the opportunities that have come up that we can't talk about yet are massive. And it's been amazing so far. It has been. And Trev has been amazing working with you so far. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. At oh, least, dear. at least, George. I know there's a little <laughs> loving going on. At least, George. Any questions for Trev, the marketing director? Or has he said enough? He's looking a little embarrassed now. Well, I I know that Dirtfish is uh, is based in uh, in Washington State across there near Seattle, and I've done a WRC rally there. Um, I see. I've done it. I, I was part of a team, the Toyota team, in 1986. We were there with a Group B car with three with three drivers. And it was an incredible event. Uh, it's a shame that it, uh, it, it it faltered a little bit in 1987. I wasn't there for that one. Uh, and, and then it disappeared, sadly. It was a, But it was a great rally. And there was a good culture there, but it wasn't widespread, mm. which confuses me because I think that rally, open spaces, out in the environment, doing your own thing, that's a very, very American thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. And, and George, but you're absolutely right. What, what I've only done one event in the States, and that was the Oregon Trail Rally. And what blew me away was just the enthusiasm and the passion of the, the people that ran the rally, that were involved in the rally. You know, there is massive, within, within certain, unfortunately, small pockets, there is massive enthusiasm. And if, you know, if it, it's a great untapped market, and we know how important the States are to just about every single manufacturer. And, you know, if we can do our little bit here at Dirtfish, that's me, David, it's yourself, George, it's Lisa, it's everyone else that's associated with Dirtfish. If we can do our little bit to perhaps just, you know, inform the American market and maybe just make them take a wee look. Block is doing that clearly. Uh, take a little look at rallying and, and just increase the rallying profile in the States. Then, you know, we're doing a good job, guys, if we can do that. That definitely sounds about right. I've just got, uh, we're down to our last few minutes, really, of this edition of Spin, the Rally Pod. That is the name. We don't have to write it down on a big piece of paper anymore, Colin. But, uh, George, I was wondering, with the this state, I'm going to go back to where we started this with the coronavirus and the fact that we're seeing unprecedented amounts of sporting events cancelled across the world. I mentioned the Icelandic volcano that kind of happened after the event, so it made travel back from the rally difficult. But have we ever mm. actually seen any championships in the in the rally side of things cancelled or or absolutely well, shut down because of external events? If if I go back to my very very youngest years, um, back to when I was just seven or eight years old, 1966, uh, the REC rally was cancelled because of foot and mouth disease. And that gave birth to the most incredible television event, which has become Rallycross. 
it had become rally oh, cross. I didn't realise that. Incredible. I remember seeing that. It's a very hazy memory. Wow. Seeing this because it was all over whatever it would have been. I forget what the uh, what the BBC was. It Grandstand was the World Saturday afternoon was TV program. World of Sport. That was ITV. ITV. Uh, ITV. It was BBC. BBC Grandstand. Raymond Baxter, who was a an ex uh, World what War Two fighter pilot uh, who did all sorts of technical programs and including Formula One and 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 rally, and he commented on this. Uh, him and and uh, probably Murray Walker commented on on that that first rally cross, which was a huge event at Lydon Hill. So Lydon Hill, um, George, and it was the most spectacular Lydon Hill. It's wow. still there, wow. still used for rally cross. Most amazing place. And, and it was an incredible event, and that was my first introduction to rally cars. And I was in, in totally encompassed for it with it. But m- my family didn't really uh, follow motorsport, and uh, we, we lived in a small town in Scotland, and, and rally was not around us. Mm. Uh, although, uh, but I, obviously, by the time I got to sixteen and seventeen, the, the flavour was still there for it. As soon as I could, I, I found it again and uh, dove head headlong into the sport. But you know, out of out of that came rally cross. What's going to come out of this? Mm. One thing that's for sure, the person that's leading the championship at the end of this event may well be leading the championship for half the year. <laughs> you know, goodness gracious. Yeah, and commentating on the e-sports side of things. Oh, no, don't don't get onto that, at least. Don't get onto that. I, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I, I get e-sports for youngsters. All about getting into the environment. Colin. Yeah, well, no, yeah. but I don't, you know, people saying, well, there's an opportunity for e-sport and people to sit and watch it. Nothing in the world could make me sit in front of my television and watch watch kids watch kids so wrong no see that you could sit and watch a video game i did i watched not last year the year before i watched john armstrong become world champion don't dare knock it colin you were there it's exactly the same you You were there i agreed completely and then i want but no i just uh, watching it on tv Honestly, it does get you. I know that there's a whole load of preliminary rounds to get to, but just for that short bit. You know, I was the same as you thinking about talking about Rallycross again. I didn't want to like Rallycross. Went to the foot, my first race at Lydon Hill, waiting to hate it, and absolutely loved it. That four-minute final was incredible. <laughs> okay, that was right in front of you. But still, I think don't knock it till you've tried it, Cole. Well, apparently so, but yeah. no, I, I can't imagine myself sitting in front of a television on Colin, a Friday night. Colin, can I t- can I tell you about video games? I I I often wondered about all these all these video games that people play, and I think it's Grand Theft Auto. I was stuck out in an oil rig in the North Sea, wait, <laughs> waiting for waiting for permits to work, and the guy I was working with was a video game nut, and he he started to play this Grand Theft Auto. And I just I stood watching him for a minute, and then I sat watching him for hours. It's an absolute scream! It's an absolute <laughs> scream! It's the most so. ridiculous game I've ever seen. I wish I could do it, but I don't like those little controllers. I need a steering wheel or something. Mm. But my goodness me, don't knock it! I watched it for hours, and I was just looking at the screen on somebody playing for it. So yeah. Well done, John Armstrong, world champion. No, 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 one not, thing not, I can not, promise, if we don't have any events, we won't be talking about the specs of computer-generated cars. Uh, we won't be talking about the potential road conditions for computer-generated circuits. No, we, <laughs> we won't will be talking all things rallying, Colin, if we can, in yeah. the next few months, in the next Listen, next episode. 100%. Can I answer that, David? Can I answer that? You know, go ahead. I'm, I'm, you, you're the most. You're the senior correspondent. Go ahead. All I was going to say is that know your place, Colin. All I was going to say is that we we do have a whole world. You know, we talked about this at breakfast this morning 
uh, and said, you know, if things do quieten down in the world of rallying, don't worry, people. We have got so much stuff to talk about. We really do. And, and you know, that will be podcasts. It will be written pieces. It will be videos. There may be there may be an enforced break for competitive rallying, but there won't be an enforced break for an informative rallying news and stories because, you know, David, myself, the whole of the Dirtfish team will be absolutely on top of it. We know how passionate rally fans are and how much of a thirst they've got for any kind of rally content. And we will absolutely be there every week with something new, something a bit different, quite often a bit of a look back, maybe a different view on things that have happened in the past. But there, there is plenty for us to talk about. There'll be plenty for us to, to work with over the coming months, even if there isn't any sporting action taking place. And we, we will all look forward to clearly things getting back to normal. But in the meantime, you know, dirtfish.com will be the place to go for your dose of rallying. And we'll be back with the next edition of Spin the Rally Pod in around two weeks' time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa.